Hello. Welcome to EV Chat, the exciting new podcast and place to be. We get to e-meet and greet industry players and decision makers. We'll be asking and discussing some tough questions from drivers on the street to top CEOs from major EV organizations, entrepreneurs, legislators from all over the globe. Stick around. This is a different kind of show. Let's rock it. Yes, indeed. This is a different kind of show. Welcome. My name's Rue Phillips. I'm your host for today. Today's guest is Vic Shea, CEO, AmpliPower, a leader in charging solutions for both public and private electric vehicle fleets. Ampli is a charging as service solution, de-risks and accelerates the adoption of electric buses, trucks and passenger vehicles by managing all aspects of charging infrastructure and operations. Before founding Ampli, Vic was the founder and CEO of Green Charge Networks, an energy storage company that manages electric demand and renewable deployment for customers. After Green Charge Networks was acquired by the international energy provider Engie in 2016, Vic oversaw the global project development for Engie Energy Storage. Prior to founding Green Charge Networks, Vic served as COO and VP of Product Development for Mobile Aria, which provided security and productivity telematics applications for the transportation industry and private fleets. Vic received his MBA from UC Berkeley's HAS School of Business and his bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Virginia. Vic was named to the top 20 grist 50 list as one of the 50 fixers for his work to provide new solutions to the planet's biggest problems. I'd like to welcome my friend Vic. Welcome aboard, Vic. Thanks, Ru, for the warm intro. Really great to be here. Yeah, welcome, welcome. So tell us about Ampli. I hear you've got some really, really exciting stuff going on. Tell us more. Yeah, well, Ampli kind of looks at the space, you know, EV charging infrastructures for businesses. We serve public sector customers, private sector customers that operate large fleets. But we really look at this landscape in a similar lens to how data centers view server blades, really. I mean, deploying a lot of them at a time, high degree of reliability, robustness at the lowest cost possible. If you think back to the 90s, when I started my career back then, large corporations have their own in-house electrical closets, right? And a bunch of computer server blades. And they have an IT staff, and they got to figure out cooling systems and lead acid battery backups, and OS upgrades and virus upgrades. And every once in a while, your email server will go offline and the whole company will be without email for the afternoon and everybody goes home. So this is a similar challenge really to what uh, fleet operators are, are facing as they are looking at electrifying their fleets. It's like, well, is this stuff really going to work? Is it going to be reliable? Is it going to be up when I need it? And what about quote-unquote fueling cost on electricity? All of these are unknown variables for a fleet contemplating electrification. So, you know, Ampli kind of looks at the scenarios pretty much like a data center operator does. You know, let's 
get all the costs out of it, all the uncertainty out of it. Let's operate it 99.9% efficient, available at the lowest cost possible and scale up the industry in the process. So that's really the short of it. Thank you, Vic. So I know you are focused towards fleets, but electric vehicles in general, what do you see the landscape looking like over the next five years? But primarily, I want to ask you a really important question. The landscape to where we thought it was going to go, and how do you feel COVID-19 is going to affect our plans for the adaptation of EVs? Well, I think what's important to keep in mind is that there's an underlying economic driver for all this for adoption. The fact of the matter is it is just simply cheaper to maintain and operate an electric vehicle, whether it's a bus, truck, or passenger vehicle, than it does with a gasoline or or diesel equivalent. It's cheaper to maintain. It lasts longer. And with electricity as a fuel, it costs half as much as diesel. So there is a fundamental economic reason why fleets are adopting. But answering your question, you know, COVID-19, certainly that has slowed down the momentum on the private sector side this year on our efforts, you know, kind of getting all the contracts signed, getting deployments done. And construction projects, by the way, in, in COVID time is certainly challenging in and of itself. But, you know, what we have observed is that COVID really hasn't slowed down the public sector. And all of those efforts on the public sector side, especially in transits, continue to plot along and are proceeding forward. And I think under the new Biden administration, things are only going to accelerate over the next four years. So AmpliPower seems to be right at the forefront of technologies. Where do you think key technology components are towards full adaptation? Towards the general public, I mean, the general public, when we plug in an electric vehicle, we take for granted that the cloud-based, all that high-tech going on. Where do you see us going, Vic, with new technologies from all over the world? Yeah, well, you know, there's really a strong parallel to the 90s, to the beginning of internet adoption, really. I mean, a lot of optimism in and around EVs, I would say. A lot of enthusiasms amongst the users and certainly for anybody that has tried driving electric vehicles, whether it's a bus driver or a truck driver that have tried the new breed of electric buses or trucks to just regular consumers that have tried an electric vehicle, Chevy Bolt or Tesla or the like, the overarching sentiment is that, you know, they will just never go back to the nice engine ever. I mean, it's so much more of a pleasure to drive these vehicles than, than it does a gasoline equivalent. So you have that going on, but it is still very, very early days. The technologies that enables this new mode of transportation is still in development. There is a lot of uncertainty on the charging side, certainly on standards, on plugs, on wireless charging, you know, with buses and trucks, there are industrial-grade overhead pentograph charging, and all of the standards are still sort of emerging, as you will. So kind of standardizing on the hardware sets, standardizing on the software communications and interoperability, those are all challenges that the industry will face over the coming years. So it really draws a parallel to 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when internet started becoming a real application and all of the work that needs to be done to to standardize the offering. 
You mentioned standardization. Is there a collaboration internationally with what's going on? I mean, obviously, we have the J1772 protocol. But is there, with what you're doing and what's going on in Europe, is there an international collaboration? Yes, and I strongly suspect that a certain degree of collaboration internationally is required. Like, you know, just as an example of this, what you would think is a fairly common standard now, the CCS standard for DC charging, was put together by an international body and it has wide adoption across European OEMs, American OEMs, and everybody's touting this, this standard. But wouldn't you know it, there is a type one and a type two flavor of CCS. And the type one version from Europe, it's a different configuration than the type two that's being used in the US. So what happened you know, when a number of fleets in the US wanted to pilot just some prototype trucks, they had to bring over the European CCS flavor in order to charge those pilot vehicles. So, you know, just awkward, but it is nonetheless the state of play on standardization on just the plug itself. But I would further carry this standardization topic into even across the utilities in the solar industry in rural. I think you can really relate to this for connecting a solar system over time, over the past couple of decades, the process has been fairly well standardized, especially for residential solar systems. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a very typical shortened approval process by the utility. But with electrification, a lot of the projects that Ampli is involved with right now require a service upgrade from the utility. It's like the size of the electrical system at that location needs to be upsized to accommodate a lot more chargers and electric vehicles. And that upgrade process currently is just all over the place. From one utility to the next, the amount of duration, the amount of safety factor built into the service request. And it could take, you know, 30 days if you're extremely lucky, or it could take two years. (laughs) And most of the time, it's somewhere in between, depending on the size of the upgrade request. You mentioned infrastructure upgrades. Is there an imminent requirement to upgrade electrical infrastructure? But your technology actually helps that, doesn't it, by demand shaving? Now, most of our listeners are going to be totally familiar with EV technology terminology, but explain a little bit about demand charging, if you will, Vic. So demand charge is the instantaneous flow of energy, flow of kilowatt hours, through the electrical infrastructure. So it's a watermark reading. It's like in any real instance in time, how much energy is flowing through the wires at a given location or at a given utility meter. And the utility will charge you a fixed fee per month on that watermark reading. And this is typical for commercial industrial customers in the US being assessed at demand charge by their local utility. But it's kind of a proxy, if you will, demand charges is sort of a proxy to how beefy the infrastructure is at a given location to handle that amount of energy throughput or just you know, power. So that's what demand charge is. And when you ask for a service upgrade, you're really asking for the infrastructure to accommodate a certain level of peak power throughput. 
So in the U.S., a demand charge has been a component of the monthly utility bill that has been rising the fastest, I would say, over the past decade or two. In California, expensive markets, it has been going up amongst the three IOUs at more than 10% a year for at least the past decade. So it's something that end users have to be mindful of when they consume energy, but also when they file for a service upgrade request with the utility. Going back to the first part of your question, Rue, how does Ampli's solution impact the scenario? Well, we automate the hell out of the charging process. It's really the upshot. It's all software-driven. It's all automation-driven. And we keep the level of demand charge across the facility as flat as possible. We automate the charging process so that all of the vehicles in a depot are charged up, ready to go by the next morning when they have to roll it off the lot. And in the process of doing so, a lot of times we can get away with a much smaller service upgrade at the beginning of the project. So we ask the utility for a smaller service upgrade because we are managing the charging so that we don't you know, produce instantaneous spikes of demand at the facility. So you know, it helps all around. It helps the utility. It helps the, the customer pay less every month. Interesting. You know, I'm really excited about the prospect of seeing UPS trucks, FedEx, Amazon trucks over the next five years all being silent driving around on the roads. You know, 25 years ago, I was engaged with the Postal Service and they had a drive, so to speak, to electrify their fleet. It was kind of exciting. It never took up for, you know, who called the electric car or whatever your thoughts are about that. But to see it come back around again and, you know, to see your company engaging in that, it's pretty awesome. What do you think the challenges are, Vic, towards getting, obviously, the cities, the municipalities, the legislators get it. But the consumer, what do you think the challenges are in getting us all to adopt to electrification? A lot of test drives, I think, just promoting the driving experience of an electric vehicle. I mean, I can't tell you how many friends I've given test rides to in my own car. And wouldn't you know it, a month later, they would go out and buy their own because it's just such a pleasure to drive. And, and to your point earlier, I mean, in my city where I live, I started seeing now most recently electric trash pickup trucks in my neighborhood. And it makes such a difference. I mean, you know, it used to be first thing in the morning, right? I mean, that's when the trash pickups usually take place. They will rumble through the streets. It will make a lot of noise, wake everybody up. And these days, it's like, you know, dead silent. You don't even know it's there. So it's great. The benefit on that is they have a predictive mileage. Their drive, they know exactly how many miles they're doing in a day. Is that right, Vic? Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons why Ampli's customer base are fleets. And we are taking fleets instead of regular consumers as a, for our business for that express purpose is because it's highly predictable. Ampli's approach to the market is, you know, we will bring the equipment, we'll bring the construction crew, we'll get everything tied in and working and operating. And once it's constructed, we'll operate the system for the next so many years contract with the fleet customer. So under such a model, then we rely on a high degree of mileage and utilization on the part of our customers in order to recoup our upfront costs. So that's why we choose to work with transit fleets, trash pickup fleets, 
you know, and, and, and the like. So climate change. Let's talk about climate change. As you know, I was in solar for many, many years. And when I actually migrated from electric vehicles over to solar, that I noticed that people that drove electric cars, for the most part, are green. They have a solar system on their rooftop. And now you can see all the solar companies, indeed the manufacturers, the products are, well, I mean, we even have bi-directional solar inverters now that can cater for V to G, V to G meaning the electric vehicle to grid. Do you think that the public as a whole has actually seen the synergy between an electric car, climate change and solar? Do they get it yet, Vic? Yeah, I think they're starting to connect the dots. Look, you know, these days I don't visit gas stations. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, worry about range anxiety and, you know, isn't it too slow to, to charge up an electric vehicle? And I have to tell you, it is such a pleasure to not have to visit a gas station. And for my son who just started driving, I mean, his experience, you see, he doesn't even know how to pump gas. <laughs> I'm sure he does, but I'm just, you know, maybe I'm saying, saying that facetiously, but actually the electric vehicle charging experience has the opportunity to be a lot more convenient over time than it is to fuel up at a gas station. I can easily think of a scenario where the electric vehicle can go 500 miles between charging or even a thousand miles between charging in the not too distant future. So once you get there, then actually it is more convenient for you to drive an electric vehicle than gasoline. It's just, you know, you only have to do it once a month or something, you know? So here's a question for you. When you actually see these trucks go past you, you must be in your mind, you say, one day you're going to be silent. You just mentioned the trash trucks, and I'm thinking, wow, clean trash. <laughs> do you actually do that, Vic, when you see all these <laughs> dirty trucks on the road? You think to yourself, one day, just one day. <laughs> and that one day is coming sooner than you would think. In California, there is already now a deadline, right? It's 2035. Every single new truck has to be zero emissions. And so that's a state law now. There's a deadline to all of this, number one. And number two, you know, the economics have aligned and it's simply cheaper to operate electric. So my view of this is that, yes, I agree with you. You know, there's a lot to be done. And that's really how I view the scenario is that I think that there's just so much business opportunities. There's so much to be done in fleet electrification. But secondly, you know, all of us in the industry know that there's a deadline to be met and it's going to happen a lot sooner than we all think. So, yeah, you mentioned the business opportunities. I know you're a serial entrepreneur, you're a CEO, but you're also an ambassador to the planet. What does Ampli's plan to change the EV landscape and make us a better planet in the near future, Vic? Every truck or bus that we convert to electric is about 100 metric tons of carbon emissions per year. So that's really the equation in rough numbers. So I believe that what Ampli does is meaningful and impactful for using your words, you know, for a better planet. But, you know, this is not philanthropy. This is not charity. I mean, Ampli is very much a for-profit company. In fact, I would draw the parallel again to the beginning of the internet days back 25, 30 years ago. I mean, I, I believe that 
over the next decade, it's going to be the exact scenario will unfold, except Silicon Valley and other tech centers around the world, clean energy is going to be the tech drivers. It's going to be the job creation drivers in this brave new world. It's not so much mobile games or web applications anymore. It's you know clean energy projects. It's clean energy technologies and products. I look forward to seeing Powered by Ampli when I get my Amazon delivery on it. <laughs> Sadly, we've come to the end of our show. I really want to thank you for joining us, Vic. You'll join us again soon in the future, I hope. I want to hear more about yeah, Ampli's endeavors. That's fantastic. Thank oh, you. Course. I'd like to thank Ampli CEO Vic Shea. Thank you so much again. Thank our sponsors over at 365 Pronto. And you can check the Ampli Power out on their website, amplipower.com. We have some great upcoming guests from some industry leaders from all over the world, as such as Vic. New topics, trends, technologies, drop by. Come and have a cup of tea. Come and see us. Let's get these EVs rocking and rolling. <laughs>